Good morning. Um, so Billy and I have been texting back and forth this week, and she has been um, coaching me through the preparation of teaching in a really beautiful way. And, but one of the things that she said was, are you ready for all the masks? Uh, because you won't get to see the, the smiles and reassurance um, in the same way. And I just thought how apt that um, in our Revelation 22 passage that we're going to later, that it talks about seeing God face to face and how this beautiful moment of we're finally getting to be together as a women's ministry and it's not the fullness and what a beautiful picture that is of this life on earth. Of We get to be with Jesus, and it's not the fullness yet. Um, so, in our lesson I wrote, like with any good story, the end makes so much more sense when you start in the beginning. And while I don't want to skip the beginning now, I also don't want to get stuck there because there's so many, so many layers and I feel like each time I read Genesis 2, there's more and more. Um, so I don't want to get stuck there. So this is not an exhaustive teaching on this passage. But I do want to point out what stuck out to me. I feel like in this lesson, you know, you, you go through life and um, it's like God is giving you like little nuggets of something here and there. And, um, and they don't always like mean something in the fullness at the time. You just keep kind of carrying them with you. And then, he, then it all comes together eventually. I feel like in this lesson, God brought so many pieces together that I've been learning over the past year and a half. Um, so I'm going to pause and pray to start us. Um, God, we have come to you in prayer so much already. Um, but I just want to uh, publicly submit this to you. It's your teaching, it's your time, it's your voice, and it's your word. I ask that you would give me clarity of focus um, with the peace you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, Kelly, can you go to the next slide? So what stuck, stuck out most to me right now is the song, the, the Genesis 2 that Adam sings as um, after Eve is created. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Shoes. There's a crack. Uh, so... This stuck out to me because I've been learning about the Hebrew words here. And um, so Adam, the first man um, in this passage is Adam, the, the Hebrew word, which is like, the word for earth or ground, which is Adama. But as, he's, as he keeps going, the second man is called Ish, 
and he changes from Adam to Ish because Ish is husband, and he names woman Isha. And that's poignant to me because, well, um, because it's a, it's a shadow, right? And I have been pondering on what comes next in verse 24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. And I've been wondering, how does this piece of leaving his father and mother to be joined to his wife relate to the song that he sings about Eve? Because in the English, it just sounds like this beautiful exclamation. But really, it's the story and the picture of Christ. So verse 21, just before this, it says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall among, upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into the woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Well, that, that word deep sleep is the same um, word in Genesis uh, later on when God cuts the Abrahamic covenant and Abraham falls into a deep sleep and God makes the covenant where it is only God who's ensuring it and not Abraham because Abraham couldn't. In the same way, Adam falls asleep and that deep sleep is different than he slept. He slept is like a physical sleep, whereas a deep sleep is used of that and it's also used in um, visions when when prophets would have like a night vision and so there's this reality that so he is asleep and God takes the woman out of his side and I see that Jesus died and his side was pierced and while, while he was dead, and then he rose. And like Adam, when, when he rose, then his bride was born. The church was born. And so then we have the Adam calling himself Adam instead of Ish, right? And he is... Um, hmm. Sorry, I'm having trouble getting words from my head out. Um, so, so Adam stops identifying himself with where he came from. He stops identifying himself with the dust that he was made of. 
And he starts identifying himself with Eve, his wife. And so that is where, what stuck out to me, that for this reason man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And it stuck out to me that Jesus left his father to be joined with us, his bride and his church. So I'm going to read Revelation 22 if you can do the next slide. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of the lamp, nor of the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. And he, sa and he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the spirits and of the prophets sent his angels to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. What a place we are coming to. Now, one of the things that stuck out to me in this passage is the 12 kinds of fruit. And just the image of fruit. And so, um, in this COVID season, I've been more or less homeschooling my kids. And one of the first things that we did was the plant cycle. And it was one of those things where, you know, it so happened that Daniel was given this science book and he said to me one night before bed, because it's always before bed, <sighs> you know, um, so it's always before bed. He said to me, Mom, I really, really, really want to read this lesson. And I was like, but it's in the middle of the book and it's in the middle of the chapter and maybe we should go back and read the, from the beginning of this chapter so we you know, capture the whole thing. But we didn't because he was adamant. No, it has to be this lesson. And this lesson was about seeds and fruit. And can we go to the next slide? So this is how I've always thought of the plant cycle. I thought, oh, it starts as a, a seed and it ends as a fruit. And the fruit is the end of the, the cycle. And I'm missing the fact that um, it's a cycle, so it's cyclical, right? And you, can you move to the next one? And so 
really, it looks a lot more like this. It looks like a circle, right? And so it occurred to me that, well, in, in Genesis 3, we start with a seed, but that the fruit isn't the end all. It, that, that's just part of the cycle. And then I started thinking about the seed. So I, I, looked, I went to Genesis 3.15, which is part of the curse. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is talking to the serpent. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Between her seed, meaning Jesus, this is the first time that we hear the gospel, and proto-evangelium, I believe, is, is that it? Yay! Nailed the word. Um, so it's the first time we hear the gospel because women don't have a seed, so the seed is Jesus, the only immaculate conception. And he crushes the, the head of the snake, um, so he is the seed. And then another passage that um, God keep, kept giving to me over and over and said, this is the theme of this year for me, is 1 Peter 1, 23 and 24. And it says, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so the seed is Jesus, who is the word, and the seed is the word. And I kept thinking about this, that... And the tree of life has really stuck out to me in these two passages, that we see the tree of life is, um, is what Adam and Eve needed but didn't partake of. And we see that the tree of life is there with us in the end, and it's bearing 12 kinds of fruit in season and, and, and always in season. There's no out of season. Um, so... It occurred to me that, you know, in John 14, um, Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that can feel really, like, narrow. And um, I work with high schoolers a lot, and they're, they're working out things so much. And... Um, it can feel like, well, why can't there be so many ways to God? But the reality is, is that Jesus is the life. He is the only life. And so the only way to life is through him. And it's not this narrow thing because it's ungracious, quite the opposite, but that he would offer his life for us. It is him. And so he is the tree of life because he offers his, his life for us. He offers his seed for us. And, and we get to come and eat of that. 
and we get to come and become part of that, right? Because in John uh, 15, 5 through 6, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, that is because he is the only life. Anything that's not part of him is already dead. But that seed is imperishable. And, and so, like... You have the plant cycle going on and on, right? Because we have the, the um, like, we'll get a word, right? Like maybe from your lesson today, you get a word and, and you take it up and, and it bears fruit in you, right? And it, it's do, doing a work in you. And yet there is this imperishable seed that is once and for all. And that is salvation. And... And so, um, so I want to move to the next slide, to Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so Adam and Eve were created in his image, and yet Jesus is in his image, the image of the invisible God, and he is the firstborn of all creation. I love that he is in the entire story of the Bible, and yet how could any author have known that they were actually writing about him? How beautiful is that? And so there's this reality that we who are the branches, who are part of the tree of life, are given a purpose, just as Adam and Eve were given a purpose in the garden. They were to cultivate it, and they. Um, and I love how um, it talks about how there that the rest of the earth was dust because there was no man to um, to cultivate it. And God cultivated the Garden of Eden before them, like He modeled. How, how to live and what to do and their purpose. So, and, but it doesn't say that he did that on the rest of the earth. That struck me. And so like Adam and Eve, we're here with a purpose. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul talks about himself as we are the ambassadors of Christ, as though Christ were making an appeal through us. And the whole image of God is like in a kingdom 
you, you, they would send out the, the image, right? Like printed on the money and um, like even in modern days that you would have pre the um, kings or dictators or whatever pictured in the classrooms and things, right? Like because the image of the king that is part of the kingdom. Well, we are the image of God and we are the kingdom. And so it occurs, occurred to me that um, I am a walking embassy, right? Like we're here in this world and, um, and the world itself has fallen. But because I am part of the kingdom of God, I am a walking embassy. Wherever I go, I am on kingdom soil because the fullness of the living God dwells in me. And I never leave the safety of the embassy walls because I am the temple of the living God. And that's true for each and every one of us who has accepted him. That we're created. So you are created in the image of the one true God. And you are created to rule and reign with him, carrying his image into this world. You are a conduit of his light. So let us fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith and dare to dream of a better day where there's no more curse and we'll see him face to face. I'm going to pray. God, I ask that you uh, that you would help us to believe that we are um, we are your embassy and we dwell in your safety. Um, I know that I often don't want to share your word, and yet that is what I've been created to do. I ask that you would help us to step into the this purpose you have given us, that we could spread your kingdom. Um, Jesus, I thank you that you are bigger and bigger the more mature I get, that most things in life seem so huge as a little kid, and you grow up and see, oh, that was, that was a really small hill, but you're the opposite, Lord. You get bigger and you get bigger, and I ask that you... Uh, would be magnified in our thoughts and in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen.